your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Ranger fans and Kraken fans. We have a very special crossover edition for you guys here today. This is John Chick with Locked On New York Rangers, joined by Erica Ayala of Locked On Seattle Kraken. And uh, Erica, how are we doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. I'm actually back home in New York at the time of this recording, so uh, having a, a good time uh, with that. I know the Rangers uh, were just back in town, so I'm um, really curious to get your thought on thoughts on how the uh, at least my hometown team is doing, and then, of course, uh, I'll keep you posted on all things Seattle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking forward to it here. It's the first crossover that we're doing together, and uh, you know, the first thing I wanted to ask you, Erica, I mean, with, with the Kraken this season, you know, obviously a lot more competitive. I know it's still early, but they look a lot better this season than they did last year. I mean, last year, uh, 27, 49, and 6. Not atypical of an expansion team. I mean, I know Vegas had that crazy run, but typically expansion teams in just about every sport are going to struggle. But, I mean, if there's anything you can point to as far as, like, what's different from last year to this year and where they've improved the most, uh, what what would that be for the Kraken? Sure, it's a great question. I think it's very evident that the Seattle Kraken in the offseason, even really at the trade deadline, were looking to um, get some pieces that would really boon the offense. And so being able to get Andre Burakovsky through free agency and then Oliver Bjorkstrand through a trade are two really big moves that we made. And then if you include the draft, Shane Wright um, obviously was a big conversation over the summer. I don't think we've necessarily seen him not necessarily is underselling it. <laughs> we haven't seen him um, play to his potential and really get into the mix. And I think there are reasons for sure, from my perspective, why that has been. But you you also know that we were going to have Maddie Beneers coming back, and he's been pretty solid for us. So the big changes were that we really focused on were offensive changes. Now, the unexpected changes have come in goaltending, which was another area we really needed to improve upon. But over the summer, Chris Drieger, he uh, tore his ACL while playing with Hockey Canada, so that was an injury we knew we were going to have to deal with. We, of course, have Joey Decord in our system, but we went ahead and got Martin Jones. Flash forward, Martin Jones has been fantastic for the Seattle Kraken, and he wasn't really expected to play as much as he has been because not only do we have Drieger out with an injury, but Philip Grubauer went out with an injury as well. So we have seen some improvements from from Grubauer, and we knew we needed that from him. That being said, we're not sure how sustainable that is yet because he's been out with injury. He has been hitting the ice and dressing during practices, so we're expecting to have him back soon. But the big change has been offensively, and then the big surprise as of late has been goaltending by way of Martin Jones. Yeah, I wanted to specifically ask you about Jones, and obviously you know, you touched on some of the things that he's done so far this season for you guys. He's had really 
kind of an interesting career. You know, he, he got off to a decent start, kind of fell off for a few years. But, you know, I checked the stats and I, I was very surprised to see just how well he's played for you guys. Um, is is there a chance that, you know, I know Grubauer right now is on long-term IR. I mean, is it kind of game on right now as far as who the, the starting goalie could be once once even once Grubauer gets back into the mix there? In my mind, yes. Now, Philip Grubauer got injured playing against his former team, the Colorado Avalanche. He played very well in that game. Um, and again, he had been looking better. I have, I, I couldn't, I wouldn't say I could gauge fully if we were getting the Grubauer that was a Vesna Trophy candidate at one time or a finalist, I should say. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure that we we saw enough. Um, that being said, looking at what was expected as far as starts from Martin Jones looking at what Martin Jones has been able to do against us uh, or with a Seattle Kraken team, I should say that still has not done enough in my opinion on defense. I don't know that we should presume that Philip Grubauer is going to secure between the pipes when he's back healthy for two reasons. One, you got to reward good performance and Martin Jones has kept the Seattle Kraken in games. Even ones we are hell bent on losing, which kind of happened the other night over the weekend. Um, you know, even, even in games, we are hell bent on losing. Martin Jones has been pretty solid for us. So I do think that we should reward that. There's another part of me though, that knows he has been putting in a lot of work that he maybe necessarily didn't think he was going to similarly to what Philip Grubauer went through last season where Drieger was in and out of the lineup uh, with injury. So I don't think we can assume that Grubauer is going to take over as the starting goaltender. I don't know that Martin Jones has done anything uh, where we shouldn't reward him for more play. That being said, we want him to stay healthy for as long as we have him. So if it makes sense to get Grubauer into the rotation a little bit more and give Martin Jones a rest, I'm totally fine with that as well. Yeah, that makes sense. And, uh, you know, another player you touched on briefly there was Andre Burakovsky. And obviously I'm very familiar with him. He played for the Capitals forever. You know, Rangers and Capitals have played each other a million times in the playoffs. So I know a lot about him. going to ask you about him in just a second, Erica. But first, I think we should let everybody know today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers and Locked on Kraken is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball, soccer, and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. And uh, Erica and I would certainly like to thank everybody out there for making Locked On New York Rangers and Locked On Kraken your first listen every day. And of course, we are free and available on all platforms. And uh, so, Erica, as I just mentioned, uh, Burkowski, you know, great pickup, it would seem, for the Kraken. And, you know, somebody who, again, has been part of some deep playoff runs with the, with the Capitals and somebody that I've seen over the years, you know, play for the Caps. So uh, just your thoughts. First of all, how did you react when they first uh, signed him? And uh, how has he fit in there for uh, the Kraken, leading the way as far as points are concerned so far this season? Yeah, well, anyone you, anytime, excuse me, you can get someone that's just coming off of a, a cup run. That's not a bad acquisition at all. The Seattle Kraken, if you look at even players like Martin Jones, obviously Burakovsky fits the bill here. Players that know what it means to play in the playoffs and then to win titles. We also saw that the Seattle Kraken focused on that in the off season. So generally speaking, you like that. Anytime you have not only a younger team, um, but a newer team, brand new, 
newest team in the league, you need that veteran experience and you need guys that know what it's like uh, to be there. So in that sense, I liked it. Now, Burakovsky and other players have been extremely excited to come to the Seattle Kraken because they've played under elite level players in the NHL and they've worked in that system. They've been able to be successful in that system, but there's also a desire and a drive to find out if they can be that guy, that number one guy. And the Seattle Kraken is nothing but, uh, you know, a breeding place for opportunity for guys either trying to reestablish their careers, maybe a la Martin Jones, who we talked about, or for young guys like Maddie Beniers to really make a name for themselves. And so Burakovsky, I know, has been one of those guys that really wanted to take that opportunity. And I think so far he's done pretty well. In our last game, we saw that he was on that third line, and that more so was as Jared McCann was coming back into the fold and a few other things here and there, just mixing up the lines a little bit. But he's been on that top line with Wenberg centering himself, Burakovsky, and Oliver Bjorkstrand, who we also talked about. And I think Burakovsky has really been the offensive power on that line for the most part. Um, you started to see when Wenberg operate, and then Bjorkstrand is, you know, as Allison Lucan might say, he's sneaky good and can really create opportunities. And we see that by way of the assists that he's been able to rack up this season. So I like Andre Burakovsky. I do think, though, that there's still more that we can tap into. We talked about it throughout the week and that three on three didn't love his chance there kind of led to a turnover and our, our last loss, which was against the Winnipeg Jets. We talked about that a lot on locked on Kraken, but you know, that comes with someone who, again, is trying to establish what their game is going to be like when there's more opportunity. So overall I, I'm, I'm good with where we are with Burakovsky and I know that there's more. Yeah, it's interesting anytime you have a situation like that with Burakovsky, you know, obviously being on the Caps, he's kind of a complimentary player to, you know, Ovechkin and Backstrom and Carlson, all those guys that have been there forever. And now it's like, yeah, he's to your point, Erica, he's on the crack and, and like, you got to be like the best player, one of the best players on this team and kind of lead the way for some of the younger guys. And that yeah. actually kind of leads me nicely into something else I want to ask about a couple of these younger guys on the Kraken, uh, specifically Matty Beniers, as well as Shane Wright. And, um, you know, Beneers obviously goes number two a couple seasons ago. Uh, got a little cup of coffee with the Kraken last season. Did pretty well. Uh, this year, <laughs> nine points in his first 16 games. Uh, so we'll start with Beneers and then, and then we'll get to Wright. Um, but, I mean, what are you seeing from him? And, uh, you know, how are you and Kraken fans overall feeling about, you know, where he is uh, early in his career here? Beneers is solid. You know, Seattle Kraken fans really like Beneers. I think as we're speaking, he's um, kind of plateaued out a little bit, but, uh, you know, I'm not worried about it, but he is a hard working guy. Uh, he was able to pick up where he left off. You know, he had 10 games for us last season, collected nine points. He's been able to work with Andre Burakovsky actually a lot early on in that power play. We've seen the power play ooh, kind of drop in productivity a little bit. But again, Burakovsky and Beneers, I like that combo when they're able to work together. So we're just hoping, you know, every season's going to have ebb and flows. And he's still young. He's still learning. What I like most about Beneers is that he's really learned to utilize his weight. He put on a lot of weight in the offseason. He talked about that a lot, but he's also been able to manipulate his size, even when he's going up against uh, bigger, taller, stronger, more veteran 
guys on the ice. And that to me shows that he's just a, a lifelong learner, as I talk about on the show a lot. And, you know, he can make those adjustments. And so, although, I, you know, we got a little bit spoiled, you know, getting him at, you know, essentially at least a point a game early on as we were on that run, even before really our, 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 full-on five-game win streak, longest in franchise history for as long as that lasted. You know, we, we weren't seeing as much from Beneers. But again, I'm not worried about it. And then you mentioned Shane Wright, and I alluded to this. We haven't seen him too much in the roster. That has been whew, something I'm I'm exhausted talking about so much just because even national news is picking it up. What I'll say for my part is the Seattle Kraken – have leveled out a little bit, but we didn't start well. We didn't look to be a team that kind of understood or uh, knew the systems to use a, you know, pop culture term. We, we did not understand the assignment coming out the gate. And so I, for one, didn't necessarily want to see a rookie being put into a system where even veteran guys were not owning that system yet. And then you have players like Daniel Sprong, or Ryan Donato, and then, oh my goodness, Morgan Geeky has really come alive. So when those guys are playing well and they are kind of in that healthy scratch rotation, are you going to give up time for uh, where those guys are really making the most of their third line, fourth line minutes for Shane Wright, who when he is in games, it's not that he's making mistakes. He's looking solid. That being said, there are other players that are finding ways to impact the game on a more consistent basis. So I think that's where we're at. Shane Wright has gone on the record. His family has gone on the record saying they're all in on the Seattle Kraken. So I'm not exactly sure where all the drama is coming from, except people being impatient, which is understandable. But the Seattle Kraken franchise is nothing if not a waiting game right now. And so, John, I mean, you probably experienced this, right, as a Rangers fan. I mean, again, I'm from New York, so even though I didn't follow the Rangers as closely, I know enough to know a thing or two about the Rangers and definitely about young talent coming in. I think there's, you know, at least two players that I can think off the top of my head that maybe similarly to Beneers and Wright are kind of glued together and coming up around the same time but have really shown that they have different paths when it comes to their development on the ice. And I think that that has helped the Rangers and we saw them in the postseason. So what can you tell about this blending of young talent and some more veteran leaders who've been around the league to then create a playoff run as the Rangers have? Yeah, it was an uh, interesting blend of, you know, veterans and young guys last season. And uh, the two young guys, I'm assuming you must be talking about Lafreniere and Kako. And uh, believe it or not, that comes up quite a bit in these crossover episodes. And, <laughs> You know, I mean, if you just kind of look at their stats, I mean, it's kind of underwhelming the, the offensive numbers. I mean, they're not terrible, but they're not exactly jumping off the page either. I would argue, here, here's the thing about Kako and Lafreniere that I've noticed. Kako is now in year four. Lafreniere is now in year three. Both of those guys, I truly believe, have become better players with every passing season. But it feels like, you know, we're kind of just getting baby steps from year to year. And what we're looking for as Ranger fans is like a hop, skip, and a leap. You're, you're really looking for that that breakthrough, you know, game or, or that breakthrough stretch of games, whatever it might be. You know, you'll get excited sometimes because Lafreniere will have like a six-game point streak or maybe Kako is looking good, whatever it might be. Um, and, yeah, I think at this point it's fair to say that Ranger fans thought that we would be getting a little bit more offensively from those guys. Uh, I think Ranger fans were also hopeful that, you know, they could use what they did in the playoffs last year when they were with the kid line with Philip Hedl and kind of use that as a springboard uh, into this season. I mean, that was so much fun. I, I just loved watching that line and, uh, we've gotten a reunion uh, there as well. But, you know, I, I would argue that both have played better 
uh, especially Kako, both have played better this season than their point totals might suggest. Uh, Kako was on the top line for a while with Kreider and Mika Zibanejad and really driving the play. Uh, something that he's kind of learned over the years here seems to be that, hey, I'm a big, strong kid and I can use that to my advantage. You know, when, when this guy has the puck, if he doesn't want to give it up, you know, <laughs> defenders have a lot of trouble taking it away from him. And, and that's very valuable. It can keep offensive zone possession times going. And right now, you know, the Rangers are kind of in a spot where, you know, the pieces don't quite fit perfectly because everybody loves the kid line. But when you go at the kid line, that's the third line, right? Right. So you could do that, or you could put Kako on the top line and Lafreniere on the third line, and that's an option as well, but then there's no kid line. And when you have the kid line together, then you've got guys like Jimmy Vesey and like Sammy Blay playing in the top six, which isn't ideal either. So they're kind of going back and forth with their alignments, and I've, I've gone back and forth on it myself. I don't know the perfect alignment for this team right now, um, but the kid line, you know, they, they didn't stand out as much in this most recent game, but the game before that, they looked really good. So I'm willing to, to see what they can do together. And, and like I said, that, that line was awesome in the playoffs. It was really a lot of fun watching them. And uh, again, you just kind of hope that, you know, the breakthrough game, the breakthrough uh, stretch of games is, is eventually coming here this season at some point. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I also mentioned goaltending, and we were getting more than what we expected. We got less than what we anticipated last year. But what can you tell us ab about uh, just the Rangers and what that rotation has looked like in the last handful of years? I mean, when you have someone like Henrik Lundqvist who retires, and, you know, there was a lot of storylines, let's say, with that and, and even him moving on from the Rangers. But, like, how do you then create – uh, a, a goalie system that is trying to move on and really usher in a new era of the Rangers. Yeah, it is uh, not lost on me just how lucky us Ranger fans are. I mean, you get about 15 years or whatever it was for Henrik Lundqvist, and now hopefully about the same amount of time for Igor Shesterkin. I mean, Vesna winner last year, just off to a tremendous start. Uh, one guy that I want to uh, credit here is Benoit Allaire. I probably don't talk about him as much as I should on my podcast, but he's been the Ranger goalie for like an eternity. And whether you've got, you know, all the talent in the world, like Henrik Lundqvist or Igor Shosturkin, or, you know, you're some undrafted kid like Alex Georgiev, uh, he seems to do a nice job developing these goalies, uh, working with them on the mental side of things. Every goalie that plays for the Rangers seems to, uh, you know, be all that they can be, so to speak. And, and I think we're seeing that uh, with Igor Shosturkin. But yeah, I mean, it's just been a joy to watch Igor, you know, just do what he's done over these past handful of seasons. And of course, last year, uh, the breakthrough Vesna season, but uh, Erica and Kraken fans, anybody who, who might be listening to this right now, if you get a chance, uh, look up Igor Shesterkin's numbers, like in the KHL and in some of these leagues he played in uh, before he made it to the NHL. And I realize, you know, those leagues are not as good as the NHL, but it's like video game numbers. It, it's just, <laughs> it is absurd how good he, he was. And, you know, obviously like I'm not a scout or anything, but I see numbers like that. And it's like, okay, this guy had like a one goals against average in the KHL. Like there's no way he's going to come to the NHL and not be at least a good goalie. And he's been far more than that. And it's just been awesome. A little bit of a slow start this season by his own lofty standards, but uh, he had a heck of a game against the Coyotes really kept the minute when the Rangers were kind of sleepwalking. And uh, I, I think he's ready to just, you know, go into full on Igor mode uh, as, as we move forward here. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for that. I love also that you talked about goalie development. We didn't have young goalies or, you know, the same kind of situation as going from like 
a perennial franchise goalie and then trying to figure out what that looks like next. Obviously, everything's brand new for us. But we did see that. I, I talked about it so much last year. Philip Grubauer never looked comfortable. And then the one of the the uh, first change in the offseason that the Seattle Kraken made was to um, change goaltending coaches and to change that structure and style of development. And I, I mean, hey, we see what Martin Jones is doing. So very eager to see how that's going to play out as our two teams take the ice. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, one other question, kind of changing gears a little bit here, but, you know, I'm I'm on cap friendly quite a bit. And I was looking at, you know, the Kraken roster and who's making what. Something that I found very interesting is that nobody on the Kraken is making more than five and a half million dollars per season, but they have 11 players making between three million and five and a half million. So that to me says that this is kind of like a deep team. You know, it might not quite have like the true blue superstar, at least not yet. Maybe some of those young guys become that. Um, but what can you say about that, how this roster has been built and, you know, some of the depth that the Kraken appear to have, you know, in, in year two here for the, for the franchise? Yeah, I love that you mentioned that because, you know, I don't know if this is like full on Moneyball style hockey, but it's definitely Seattle Kraken on a discount. And, I, you know, I, even even that, I think, has a negative connotation. Maybe saying it this way is is the better way. Ron Francis has been very forthcoming with that the draft the expansion draft that is for the Seattle Kraken was going to be so different than what we saw for the Vegas Golden Knights and by way of the Seattle Kraken having that different experience he also wanted their development and trajectory to being a playoff team to be different so having cap space has been something that Ron Francis has talked a lot about and continues to talk about and making sure that there's some uh, fluidity and uh, that, that that they can be malleable if and when they need to I mean even looking at our goaltending situation um, so that's something that Ron Francis and the rest of the Seattle Kraken have really prepped us for as fans. I don't know how much we always listen, but uh, because for me, for one, I talk a lot about how, I mean, we didn't get to Ke'Andre Miller, but even having a young defenseman or like a, a, a fast and smooth defenseman would be nice. I'd like to see it eventually. But, um, you know, there's a little bit of playing that long game, knowing that you do want to keep Maddie Beneers or even a Shane Wright on a long-term contract. So you want to be able to uh, kind of um, – Stagger out those contracts and be mindful of how much money you're giving. Maybe you don't go for, you know, a Nazem Kadri for a, a centerman when you know you want to develop two centermen, just as an example. So it is definitely something that at times I'm like, give us more. But I'm, I'm still in Ron We Trust over here at Locked on Kraken. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I, I think, you know, he's playing the long game, like you said. And I, I think you're probably in good hands over there. He's done a nice job. It's already a competitive team in, in year two here. Um, I wanted to ask, you know, I, I know we were talking a little bit off air uh, just about uh, Climate Pledge Arena and what that atmosphere seems to be like. And, and you mentioned that you haven't had a chance to get there yet, but obviously you watch all these games and uh, Seattle and some of the other sports, you know, the NFL and soccer, very loud uh, fan bases. What has it been like? Does that seem like it might be a, a fun arena to go to? Because there are some Ranger fans that do traveling. So uh, as far as you can tell, what's it been like so far? Oh, yeah, it's must-see. Not only is it the newest, but it's the most innovative. And the Laiwiki brothers made it that way. Of course, the Seattle Kraken are there. The Seattle Storm for the WNBA have played basketball there and have already been a playoff team. So we're hoping that Juju will rub off into the Kraken locker room. But um, they want this arena 
they want this venue to be um, a must-see, um, bucket list type venue for everything from sports to concerts to conferences. And they have prioritized, um, hence the name Climate Pledge, they have prioritized also not uh, skimming on the experience and it's so innovative the way they've done things while also um, keeping in mind that the entertainment industry creates a lot of waste. They were just at this in New York. They were here in New York at the sports business journal conference. And they talked so much about the, the thought process that went into being carbon neutral. And I know that's not everyone's jam and vibe, but if you think about um, sports business and you think about the innovations that are required or even really future proofing in that we might start seeing regulations or expectations that this be a part of new buildings. Climate Pledge Arena has really set the bar and they're, they're, they've done so not knowing that the Seattle Kraken would, would be there, but also hoping that the NBA would return. We've already seen preseason and exhibition games happen there. We've seen major concerts go there and everything from having, you know, I didn't even think about this and I've been in, you know, in, in the, uh, I've been underneath Madison square garden a million times and you never think about how the traffic in the tunnel, even things like that. And so they have this massive tunnel, that they built to create two-way traffic. So when the Seattle Kraken have to come in and set up, they're not in the way of whoever played the concert the night before or whatever the case is. And so I think from that perspective, as someone who does do a lot of research and writing in sports business, that is very exciting. But then you have what we call the twins. So anywhere in the arena, you can see the game, not just from the ice, because we uh, the seating goes from the ice level up, so, um, you know, everyone's kind of dipping down, um, but you also have these massive, it's not one Jumbotron center ice, it's two that are off center. And so you can see that from everywhere, which is awesome. There's a nice skywalk uh, where if you walk past Climate Pledge Arena, you could, you know, there's this big glass window. You could watch a game for free if you can sneak up to the window. There's just really some cool things. The locker rooms are absolutely fabulous. Every athlete that I've been able to talk to whether from the Seattle Kraken or when I'm covering college basketball, WNBA basketball, they say that, um, you know, it's, it's like nothing else. And that's exactly how the Liewicki brothers built it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's quite the endorsement for sure. And I, I got to get to some more NHL arenas to, to be sure. And I'm going to add that one to the list. I haven't been to enough, so uh, I wouldn't mind checking out a game uh, in Seattle there uh, at some point, but I figure uh, Erica, do you want to go ahead and, Throw out a prediction for this game. I mean, a, a final score or anybody that's you know going to score a goal for Seattle, whatever it might be, anything you want to toss out there? Yeah, I was looking at some of the stats, and I think we're pretty evenly matched going into this game, at least as of as of where the stats are um, uh, coming into tonight's game. I I generally speaking am thinking we're probably at about a three-two game. The Seattle Kraken have a lot to prove. Um, and so I, I, not just because I'm the host of locked on Kraken, but because I really think they need it. I'm going to say the Seattle Kraken grind out a three, two win, um, against the Rangers at climate pledge arena and get us closer to being 500 at home. We got to You got to do it. You got to be able to protect the house. And that's been something that we're still waiting on for Seattle. How about you, John? 
Yeah, it's interesting because actually the Rangers have been a little bit better on the road than at home this season. I don't think the splits are like dramatic, but a little bit better record away from home. And uh, with that said, you know, I know both these teams are going to be rested. They both had three days off. I got the same final score, but I got to take my Rangers winning this one three to two. I haven't really been able you know, when we do these crossovers, I haven't really been able to hit the final score all that great this season. But one thing I'm doing a pretty decent job at is, is picking a Ranger to score a goal. Uh, I picked Barkley Goodrow earlier this season, and he scored. I'm going to go with him again. You know, he scored in this okay. most recent game uh, against the Coyotes, really kind of shifted the momentum of that game. Like I said, the Rangers were sleepwalking for about 35 minutes. He scored. They started skating. They started uh, getting their game together. And on top of that, uh, in the most recent game, and we'll see if this is still the case, but he got to move up to the uh, Panarin Trocek second line for the Rangers. So if that's the case, uh, it just bodes well for his chances of scoring. But Barkley Goodrow, man, you know, he's always just kind of Johnny on the spot for the Rangers and just I seems to that. not not an offensive juggernaut, you know, but just seems to come through with a goal or a big play uh, at times where the Rangers really need it. So there you go. I love that. All yeah. right. I love it. So we're in agreement on the score just to throw out two names. And I talked about these yeah. guys. I've been talking about them a lot just because they are the impact players right now for the Seattle Kraken. I think we get a, a goal from Yanni Gord and from Turbo Tanev. I, I, their energy seems so it, it, like you said, Johnny on the spot. I love that because it, it's almost like their infectious high level energy is exactly what the Seattle Kraken need. And if this is going to be a tight game, those two really have to get going and be the heartbeat of the Seattle Kraken. So I hope uh, both put one away. Uh, I'd love to, for one of them to be a game winner, but I guess we got to see how, how everything uh, boils down in uh climate pledge arena. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. We'll see. Gord was one of those guys like, Again, not like an offensive superstar, but anytime the Rangers played the Lightning, he, he was one of those guys that just always scared me a little bit, you know? <laughs> so so we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, Erica, this is a ton of fun. And uh, yeah, uh, can you let everybody know where they can find you as far and the show, like as far as where they can listen and find you on social media? Yeah, for sure. Well, first and foremost, thank you so much, John, for for uh, having me and uh, for, as I say, squad casting it up here. But you can find me, Erica L. Ayala, at elindsay08 on Twitter and other social media platforms. Um, so that's E. L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-0-8. If you're watching on YouTube, you can also just check it out right there. And then, of course, the show, Locked on Kraken, on all social platforms, including YouTube. And we really try to use that community tab, have some fun there. So uh, appreciate that. But for our Kraken listeners, John, they should be familiar with where to find you because we've definitely been using some of your nows from last year's postseason. But remind us, where can we find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter. And again, if you're on YouTube, right there, jchick17. And uh, you can find the uh, the show on Twitter, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And of course, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you can find us there or any other uh, audio streaming platform that exists. Or of course, you can always watch on YouTube uh, as well. And uh, yeah, definitely uh, looking forward to uh, interacting with uh, hopefully a couple new listeners here. We shall see. Sounds good. Well, I think I might be in town again when the Kraken come to MSG. So maybe we'll do this again. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, this is a ton of fun. And uh, yeah, I'm definitely up for a crossover anytime you are, Erica. And uh, Sounds great. Yeah. And so for Ranger fans and Kraken fans, uh, thank you guys so much. And we will see you next time.